Mission May. Come on, say that with me one more time. Mission May. Mission May. Tonight I want to talk about your first mission field. I want to talk tonight about your first mission field. Your first. Most of you would probably say, I mean, what would most of you say is your first mission field? What would you say? Come on, shout it out. Home, family, all those kind of things. You know, our work, just all those around you. And that's all great. And they're partly true, but I believe that your first mission field is you. Your first mission field is your life, because how can you impact your family if you're not right? How can you impact your work if you're not right? How can you make a change in your world if you're not right? So our first mission field and our first point of call has to be our lives. My responsibility in my life is, yes, to be a great husband, yes, to be a great father, but really, my greatest responsibility is to be a man of God. Because if I'm a man of God, guess what's happened? I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be the best husband. Why? Because God's way works. So when I put Him first and I honor Him with my life, then everything else. What does the Bible say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And guess what happens? He takes care of the rest. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, He takes care of the rest. So we've got to, (laughs) excuse me, we've got to place ourselves in the position where we need to be. I like Peter and John. What did they say in Acts 3 verse 6? Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give unto you. So what is the thought? What I do have, I can give. Everyone with me? What I do have, I can give. So here's the other thought. What I don't have, I can't give. can't give what I don't have. And I'm glad that day that Peter and John had something that they could give to that man that needed healing, needed deliverance, needed a new beginning for his life. And I believe it's time that every one of us has something inside of us that we can give to a world around us, that we can give to our families, that we can give to our spouses, that we can give to our workplaces, that we can take around. But we cannot give what we do not have. There's a lot of people today that are given a lot of instruction, but they are living an undisciplined life. They're telling people you need to do this, but the lifestyle that they're living is not matching up what they are saying. And the last time I checked, that was called a hypocrite. That was called a hypocrite. We're going to do a series in the next few months. It's called I'm a Hypocrite. Someone said, well, that's a little bit strong. No, that's maybe not strong enough because we need to identify the fact that so many times we tell people to do things, but yet the life that we have doesn't match up with the words that we say. 
Our first mission field is our lives, that we get ourselves in check and in place so that the words and the actions and the things we do are in accordance to the person that we really are, that we become more Christ-like in our life. So we don't want to say one thing and do another thing. And that's why in this church, we don't have a filled-in pulpit. We used to have a plexiglass pulpit, and we don't have something that's filled in. Why? Because when we preach, we don't hide behind something. We always say this, we're the same people outside of the pulpit as though we are inside the pulpit. Because why? That's what God's called us to be. We don't put on spirituality when it comes to 6.45 on a Wednesday and 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock on a Sunday. This is who we are because we want to glorify God in our lives. So again, you can get mad at me today for saying such things as don't just say it, but be it. You can get mad at me of accusing you of perhaps being a hypocrite in your life. But I want to tell you, that's your problem with yourself, not my problem with you. And you need to deal with that problem and you need to sort that out and allow God just to speak through your life. So I want to look at ourselves tonight. I want us to begin to look at ourselves in an unbiased way. That can be hard, can't it? It's easy for us if we were to say right now, okay, talk about your mother-in-law. Man, we could talk about that for months. You know, if we talked about Aunt Sue, oh man, we can say everything about Aunt Sue. We can talk about a lot of people. But it's sometimes hard when we have to take an honest, unbiased opinion and look at our own lives. And that's what I want you to do tonight. I want you to look at your own life. I want us to turn today if we could, to John chapter 4. We're actually going to read quite a lot of scripture tonight. But I love this story, and I think it's a story that's going to really help us to identify our lives and the first mission field that we find ourselves in, which again is our life. It's my life. Come on, say my life is my first mission field. Come on, my life is my first mission field. And that's what we want to identify. So we're going to start reading today, John chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse 1. We're going to probably go to 14, stop there. We're going to jump back into it, and then we're going to continue today. John 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples, though Jesus himself did not baptize his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. So people were upset. Jesus, who are you? You're baptizing more than John. Jesus so many times did not respond to them. He moved away from religion, and he moved to those who really needed him. Okay? People rejected him. What's going on? Jesus wasn't interested. That's not what he came for. He came for the lost. So Jesus moved away from that to seek the lost. And he left Judea and he departed again for Galilee. Listen to verse 4. But he needed to go through Samaria. He must go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Understanding this, the sixth hour wasn't six o'clock in the morning. The Jewish day starts from sunup to sundown, that's the day. So when you were talking about the sixth hour, this was about noon, about one o'clock in the afternoon, okay? So she comes to the well in the sixth hour, about noon, about lunchtime. And a woman of Samaria came, verse 7, to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. 
For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Say with me, living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? She said, Where's your bucket? Come on, where's your bucket? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. However, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But that water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So here's a story of Jesus talking to a woman of Samaria. It starts off really by Jesus saying, I have to go through Samaria. It's pretty important to understand that because Jews did not go through Samaria. They didn't want any dealing. There was a racial tension. There was a hatred there back from the times when the children of Israel had tried to go through and they wouldn't let them go. And as a result, there was a hatred. There was an animosity. There was a tension there between them. So they would avoid that at any cost, even if it meant going, say, 10 more hours out of their way. They would do it to go around instead of going through. But what do we see? Jesus broke tradition. Jesus broke the rule of that day. And he says, no, we're going to go there. We're going to go there. Aren't you glad that Jesus breaks tradition? Aren't you glad that he breaks through what man says should be and the circumstances and situation? You better shout amen because if it wasn't the case of that, you wouldn't be saved today because Jesus broke through into your situations and circumstance and changed your life. Man, I'm trying not to preach because that's not my message tonight, but it's good stuff. I'm just going to pat myself on the back by that. So Jesus, in the middle of this all... It's not by chance, but by divine appointment. He is driven. He is compelled. He is instructed to go. So what happens when he goes? He gets tired. Jesus gets tired. And verse 6, it says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour, about lunchtime. We can say, well, Jesus was tired and he was there. I want you to see something that it wasn't really because he was tired. It was because God had set him up to be in that place at that particular time. Why? Because someone else was about to be there. Someone else was about to be there. Verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me to drink. You've got to understand this too. Jesus, as a religious leader and teacher, should not have been talking to a woman, especially a woman of Samaria. That's why she is so shocked that Jesus is talking to her. I'm a woman and a Samaritan. Why would you want to talk with me? So the odds of this really happening is zero to none. Okay, He shouldn't have been there. She shouldn't have been talking to him. He shouldn't have been talking to him. Just the whole thing should have never happened. But remember, God said you need to go through Samaria. God had him in that place. And I want to see something here. As I said, God is willing to move heaven and earth to set up an encounter with someone who's lost and in need of salvation. So he asks her for a drink. 
And she's shocked by this. In verse 9, then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. This is her confession. She's saying this to him. And Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew who I was, if you knew what was available for your life, the gift, what is the gift of God? Salvation. The greatest gift. If you knew the gift that's available for your life and who it is, who I am, that says this to you. You see, Jesus could say, do you know who I am? Not in arrogance. We would say, hey, do you know who I am? Almost an arrogance. Jesus is not saying it arrogantly. He's saying it because of the life that he has available for her. Catch that, okay? He's not saying, would you look at me? He's saying, look at the source that I can be in your life. Look at the life that I have available for you. Get beyond the facade of maybe what looks and what you see and see deeper and see that I am able to touch your life. There's a gift that I want to give you. He says, you would have asked of me and I would have given you living water. So here's the good part. It's all really good, but this is the gooder part. And you may say, well, that's not a word. This is my message, so it's a word. This is the gooder part. This is the gooder part of the message. Verse 11, the woman. Say with me, the woman. If you would research the scripture, you would discover this. This is the longest conversation Jesus has with anyone ever recorded in Scripture. It's the longest conversation Jesus has with anyone in Scripture. And isn't it funny that even with the length of the conversation, we don't, we don't even know her name. The Scriptures do not give us her name. But yet she is only referred to as the woman. Pretty interesting to me. No name. You know why she's no, not given a name? I'm telling you why. Because she is us. She is you and she is me. Hold that thought. We're going to get back to that. So the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. Say with me, no buckets. She says, the well is deep. And where are you going to get? I mean, what hope is there? How are you going to do this? How are you going to give me water, she said, when Jesus, when you don't even have a bucket? I mean, how are you going to give me something when you're not prepared? You don't have it. She was looking in the natural. She couldn't see. So therefore, she, all she could, well, all she could see was the fact of what he didn't have and the failure to see what was available for her life. You don't have a bucket. The well is deep. But little did she know that the reason he didn't have a bucket was because he was the source. She came to the well to get water, but she didn't realize that the well was by the water. Jesus, the source, was right there, ready to meet her need. So she's blinded by the fact that he has no bucket, and that she does. I have a bucket, but you don't. Read on verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Jesus could have interrupted her right there and said, you better believe I'm greater. But he doesn't. He just lets her speak. He, she says, are you greater? He gave us this well. He drank from this well, him himself and his lifestyle. Then Jesus answers. Now, he says to her, whoever drinks of this natural water will thirst again. In other words, the water that you're going to get out of the bucket, the water that you can draw, it may satisfy you for right now, but there's going to be a thirst again. You're going to have to come back over and over and over and over and over and over again. And notice she's there at 12 o'clock. Why? Because there's such sin in her life as we're going to discover. She didn't come out with everyone else. People didn't draw water from the well in lunchtime. 
It's the hottest time of the day. They came early in the morning, late at night. She's coming to avoid people. Why? Because she's an outcast. No one wants to be around her. We're going to discover that. But Jesus is there at what time? The right time. That moment. That time. Verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up inside of him to everlasting life. So what does she say? Jesus, I want that. Wow, that's incredible. I want that water. Why is she saying that? She wants that water because she don't want to come back to the well. It's a place of ridicule and has been for her. She don't want to come back. She don't want to do the work. Give me some of that water. I can stay at home. I can avoid everyone else. My life can be complete. Jesus, I want that. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me that water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She didn't get it. Look to your neighbor and say she didn't get it. She's not getting this. But keep looking at your neighbor and say, nor do do I. Because many times we can accuse her of getting something that we don't get ourselves. We don't get it many times. Did you hear me? We don't get it many times. We don't get it many times. Because I want to talk for a few moments about some of the buckets that we have in our life. Because you see what the tendency we have in our lives is we come with buckets to try and find the satisfaction and fulfillment to quench the thirst of our life. And instead of having the living water, Christ is the source, we go to man, we go to the natural with our bucket and we try and get whatever we can that can satisfy us. But this water is going to run out, but his water is going to produce life inside us. So I want to look at some buckets right now. Can we look at some buckets that we have in our life? You know, one of the buckets we have in our life is people people. So many times we can want and strive for the approval of people. We want people to like us. I don't think anyone in here wants people not to like you. I think you want people to pat you on the back and praise you and give you that. But also when we think about the bucket of people, we can think about relationships. Come on, we can think about other people. We want those to fill our lives. The only problem with that bucket is this. It's not going to be complete. Why? Because there's always going to be people who don't like us. There's always going to be disappointments. There's going to be breakups in relationships. There's unfortunately marriages that fail. I hate that, but it happens. Why? Because you've got two people living together and the problem... The problem is the sin nature inside of our lives. And if we don't die to that, it's going to rule and reign in our life. So we can have a bucket of people that we can try and fill to have the satisfaction. If I could just have another friend, my life would be complete. If I could just have that man, if I could just have that woman, if I could just be in a relationship, if I could just be married, my life would be complete. Maybe, but that's not complete fulfillment in your life. It's a bucket. And you know what happens with a bucket? It may be full one day, but it's going to empty out. It's not going to be complete in our life. So one of the buckets that we can have in our life is the bucket of people. Here's another one. Are you ready? If only I just had more money, money, money. If I just had a promotion, if I just had more overtime, if my boss would just recognize just how good I am, how great I am. I'm not going to pay my tithes because I want more money. So if I keep more, I'm going to have more. Watch out. You're going to get in trouble. It's in giving, the Bible says, that you shall receive. But notice, many times in our life, we go to a well of money and we say, if I want to be successful in life, it depends how many zeros there are at the end of my bank account. The people look at us. And if I can have this, then I can buy a bigger car. I can have a bigger home. 
I can have nicer clothes. I can have nicer stuff. And I can throw that in the face of people who said, you're never going to be anything in life. And I can bring out a wad of $100 bills and I can impress people. You know what that is? That's a bucket. It's a bucket. It's a temporary fix. It's not going to bring you the true satisfaction that you're looking for in your life. Why? Because Jesus said, it may be full one day, but you're going to thirst again. It's going to be other needs in your life. Here's another bucket that we have in our lives. Are you ready? Look at that. The bucket of pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure. If I can just go out and have that pleasure and just enjoy life and just, and just do all these things. I mean, everyone's sleeping around. Everyone's doing all these kind of things. If I can just go out and find that lustful pleasure, then my life's going to be complete and I'm going to have this and I'm going to have that. You know what? It's a bucket. And a bucket is not going to give you the full pleasure and the happiness. And you know the problem with happiness is this? Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is dependent upon what's around you. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be full of joy. And there's a difference. Why? Because joy is connected to the source. That no matter the circumstances or the situation, you can be happy. But you see, or you can be full of joy, which will produce happiness. But happiness will never produce joy. But you see, the enemy wants you to have a bucket of those things and feel that you're doing well. But the reality is it's going to run out. Let me move along really quickly. You ready? A couple more buckets. What's this one? Popularity. I just want fame. I want people to know who I am. I want people to like me. I want, I want to be popular. I, I, I want to have everything in life. Because if I am popular, then come on. If people know my name and people know who I am, then my life's going to be complete. I mean, that's got to be the pinnacle of life. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a bucket. It's just a bucket. It's going to bucket. It may fill you for a while, but it's not going to sustain your life. And last but not least, and there's many others. What about this one? A bucket of deception. We can have many deceptions in our life, trying to fool people, deceive people and all that kind of stuff. So what we do is we put on a front. We're not really who we are and therefore we're deceiving people. But we're telling people that we're cool. We're telling people we're this and we're telling people we're that. Why? Because we want to impress people. We want to build people. But really it's all deception. And it's amazing all the things and there are so many buckets that we can fill in our life. And, and, and sometimes we can look and say, well, you know what, that's maybe too full. So what do we do? We grab different buckets of different colors and different sizes and, and we try to fill them all. And we can say, well, let me just have a little bucket and, and this bucket and that. Or, hey, I want a bigger bucket so I can get a little bit more. And what happens is our whole quest in life is going after stuff and things and people and popularity and fame and all that. And and it's a dead end street. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're trying to keep in the rat race of life. We're trying to follow. All that's going to happen is we're going to be exhausted and we're going to be thirsty again. You're going to be thirsty again. Why? Because you're trying to fill your life with things that will not last. Oh, it's okay to have people in your life, relationships, it's okay to have money, it's okay to have pleasure, it's okay to have popularity, not okay to have deception, but it's okay to have all those things. God's not against those things, but they're not the source. They're as a result of being connected to the source, but they're not the source of your life. They're not the source of your life. So we've got to remind ourselves and we've got to ask ourselves this question. Is my life a bucket or is my life a well? Are you a bucket or are you a well? And that's what you've got to realize because if you're going to be a well, you can only be a well if you're connected to the well. You can only have that water rising up inside of you if you're connected to Jesus. 
So what happens is this lady's so caught up about the bucket, but you don't have a bucket. I have a bucket, but you don't have a bucket. She's so caught up. She's not seeing what's happening in all of this. And I'm so glad that when we don't get it, when we don't see it, Jesus doesn't just say, man, I can't believe you and leaves you alone. Aren't you glad that Jesus wants to dig just a little bit deeper? He just wants to go in a little bit deeper. He goes in a little bit deeper to try and identify the point that she was trying to hide. She was trying to mask something in her life. She was trying to hide the things. How many times in life do we try to hide things by filling up a bucket with stuff and things and people? I know I've got to move on, but I want you to get that point tonight. So Jesus pushes a little bit deeper. Look what he says in verse 16. Jesus said to her, she's not getting it. So Jesus goes a little bit deeper. He turns the screw a little bit more. Jesus said to her, go and call your husband. Go and get your husband. The verse 17, the woman answered and said unto Jesus, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said that you have no husband. Verse 18, for you have had five husbands. And the one you're shacking up with right now is not even your husband. Hello? That's what Jesus said. The one you're with right now is not even your husband. So in that, Jesus says, you have spoken truly. What's just happened here? Jesus is not condemning her. But what Jesus is showing her is this. That it's time to put the bucket down. It's time to put the facade down. It's time to stop deceiving yourself and trying to please yourself and find satisfaction in everything else and and fulfillment in your life and things that are not going to sustain you. They're temporary. Jesus is identifying to her the fact that sin in her life is stopping her from being connected to the source. You've gone quiet on me. She's looking for love in all the wrong places. When she just needs to be connected to the source. I wonder what's your latest bucket that you're trying to fill. Because remember we're talking about your first mission field. We're talking about your life. Talking about you today. I wonder if we were to identify your life today. How many of these buckets and more would present themselves to you. So Jesus has said to her, you're right. Because you've had five husbands and the one that you're with right now is not your husband. As a result of Jesus saying that to her, look what she says in verse 19. The woman said, I perceive that you're a prophet. Wow. You've got to be a prophet. Because how can you know that? How can you know that? I haven't said anything. How can you identify? Why? Because Jesus has just exposed who she really is. You know what needs to happen in every one of our lives? We need to have exposed who we really are. And you know why we need to have exposed For who we really are. If you're taking notes tonight, write down this statement. We've got to come clean with who you really are so he can be everything he needs to be. You've got to come clean with who you really are so God can begin to be everything that you really need. Jesus pushed. Why? (laughs) Excuse me. Why? Because he wanted her to be real with who she was. It doesn't happen till that happens. It can't. Jesus can never be our source while we're identifying other things and we have sin in our life. While we have buckets of things that we're trying to fill to mask the pain, the past, those things. Jesus can never be everything. And you know why? Because God cannot be contained to a bucket. 
Because God is greater than any bucket. Because He is limitless. He is endless. There is nothing that He cannot do. But yet, how often do we try to put Him in a box, a bucket? And then what happens? It's amazing. She now perceives He's a prophet because He's told her things about her life. And then the next step she steps into is she begins to worship. She talks about worship. She talks about worshiping in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, listen, if you would understand who I am, those who worship me, worship in spirit and in truth. Read the rest of the story. But what happens is absolutely incredible. Remember we talked about Jesus or the fact that we don't know her name, but we just know her as a woman. You know why? Here, I want to go back to that thought. Because the purpose here is not for us to know her name. But the purpose is for us to know his name. The purpose is for our lives to represent him. Not represent who we are. Because if people see me, they're not seeing Jesus. So the purpose of her name is, yes, because that's me, that's you. But also, why? Because it's not the name of her that's important. But it's who he is. It's important. So she worships, or at least she begins to talk about worship. You know, I've wrote down some thoughts about worship. Are you ready? Worship involves giving your all to Him. Worship is surrender of self. Your past, your pains, your apprehensions, all those things. Worship is is giving everything to God despite what's going on, the circumstances. That's why we talk about bringing a sacrifice of praise, of worship, a giving of something. You know what else worship is? Worship, I really believe, is being honest and transparent with God. Just coming before Him with no hidden agendas. But just saying, God, I just want you. Not, God, would you fill this? God, would you do this? God, would you provide for me? Because I have a bucket and I'd really like you to fill it. But just being honest and transparent. You know what really worship is? Worship is realizing that there is no satisfaction in anything else apart from Jesus. That's what worship is. There's no one greater than my God. We sang that. There is no one higher than my God. There is no one greater than you. That's what worship is saying. There is nothing that can satisfy my life like you, Jesus. That's why I worship you. That's why I praise you. I'm determined in this church that no one's ever going to outpraise and worship me. Why? Not because I want to put on a show, because God's done so much for me. God's done so much for me. And if that's all I can do for him... I want to do it to the best of my ability and give. Why? Because there's no other satisfaction in life like my Jesus. I don't want just a bucket fix. I don't want a temporary fix. I want to be connected to the source. And that's why I worship and praise Him for who He is and what He wants to be in my life. So let's bring this to a close. The disciples come back. They're shocked. Jesus is talking to a woman. How dare He? She then leaves and she tells everyone. Look what she says in verse 29. She goes and says to them, come see a man. They're probably thinking, yeah, that's probably number seven. Hello? She already had five husbands. She's with a six and they're saying, come see a man. They're probably thinking, yeah, it's probably the latest one on the block. It's the latest one. But she says, no, 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 no. It's not that type of man I'm talking about. Come and see a man who has told me all the things I have ever done. Everything that I have ever did in my life. She said, could this perhaps be the Christ? And it's amazing that she begins to build a crowd and she begins to lead people and she takes them back to God. And look what it says, jump into verse 39. It says this, And many of the Samaritans of that city, believing in him, 
or believed in him. Why? Because of the words of that woman who testifies, who said, what? He told me all that I ever did. Now, because she is where she needs to be, because she is now connected to the source, because she's now come clean, because she's put down the temporary, the buckets of her life, because she's now connected to the source and she's told everyone about this Jesus, guess what happens? Now others are receiving that same Christ. Do you see what happens when our first mission field is fulfilled and we're where we need to be? Can you see what begins to happen to other people around? They'll begin to find Jesus. They'll begin to come into an understanding of Jesus. They'll realize that you used to be this way, that you used to find pleasure in the wrong things, that you're, you were a people pleaser. Those, but now you don't care about those things anymore because you care about something greater than those things. You're connected to a source. And that source is Jesus. You see, it starts with you. We can talk about touching this world. We can talk about touching this city. We can talk about people. But if it doesn't start with you, it's never going to stick. It's never going to happen. It's never going to change. People are never going to change. You are your first mission field. Mission made. My mission first is to make sure I'm where I need to be. That I'm not coming with all the facades. I'm not coming with all the emptiness of pleasures and things of this world to try and find the fulfillment of my life because I'm going to be thirsty again. But if I can just connect to the source, if I can just get to Jesus, come on, you and I need to get it right. You need to get it right. We need to stop looking in the wrong places. Get rid of your buckets. Get connected to the source. And here's what else I think is really incredible about this story. Are you ready? The whole time he was seeking you and I when we thought we were seeking him. The whole time he was seeking you And he was seeking me where we've always thought that we were the ones that were seeking him. I must go because at 12 o'clock, there's going to be a divine encounter that's going to happen. Jesus was seeking out you long before you even perhaps even gave him a thought. That's the love, the compassion, the grace and the mercy. Jesus knew about that woman before she even opened her mouth. Jesus knows all about us, but yet he still sought after us. What love, what compassion, what grace, what mercy, what forgiveness is available to each one of us. If we want to lead our families, parents, we've got to be right. If we want to lead our communities, we've got to be an example. But in order to be an example, we've got to first surrender and give our lives to Him. If we want to live life, guess what? We've got to be connected to the source. Because one thing I've discovered is this. Are you ready? Jesus never wants to give us what we want. Would you give me that water so I won't thirst again? That's what she wanted that day. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't give you what you want? Because if she would have got what she wanted that day, she would have missed what's the most important. Because Jesus is not interested in giving you what you want. He wants to give you what you need. He wants to give you what you need. And what we need today is Jesus. We need to be connected to God. We need His life. We need His spirit. We need His power. Come on, it's time to put down the buckets. It's time to connect to the well. It's time to be the well. Why? Because He wants you to be connected with Him.
that wherever we go, we can bring life. Many of us come in, come on with our buckets. And we come in trying to fill and try to satisfy and find. I'm telling you, put that down and just seek God. Because when you seek God and you seek first His life, the promise is everything else will be added to your life. Jesus added the addition and multiplication business. Satan wants to subtract and divide. Jesus wants to bless your life. But I'm telling you, he can't bless a bucket. He doesn't want to bless a bucket. Why? Because he can't be contained in a bucket. But he wants to bless your life as a river of life, life-given flow that comes out of your life. If you receive that tonight, stand to your feet tonight. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you tonight. I want to pray for you tonight. I wonder today how many of you would turn around and say, you know what, Pastor Philip, you you, you jumped all over me tonight. Come on, anyone put their hands up? You jumped all over me. Because my life has been about people. It's about being money and pleasure and popularity. And I've been deceiving myself. I've got all different buckets of all shapes, sizes, colors. and, And man, I've been a master of all those things. But God would say tonight, your first mission field is me and you. Would you get it right with me? Would you surrender that with me? How many wants to make that a priority in your life and get it right? Because the sneaking suspicion I have around you is some of your family aren't saved. The sneaking suspicion I have is that not everyone you work with is saved. The sneaking suspicion is the people you go to with college with and school with, they're not all saved. And guess what? They need you to begin to say, not look at my bucket, but come see a man. Come see a man who, even though knowing everything about me, still loved me. Still, what? Gave me an opportunity to receive life. And that same life is available for each one of us tonight if we'll just take it. Just take it. Would you just lift your hands right now? And would you say these words, Dear Heavenly Father, I put down my bucket because I want to be connected to the source. I pray, dear Lord, that there would be living water that would well up inside of me, that would not only change me, but change those around me. God, I pray that you would so change me, so impact my life, that I can impact others. God, I pray that I would get me right, so my world can be right, my family can be right. My future can be right. God, I thank you tonight that you love me, that you've forgiven me, that you have everything available for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Aren't you glad tonight? Aren't you glad tonight that he broke through, as we said in the message, the stereotype? Aren't you glad that he came to someone like you because many other people would not have come to you? Many people wrote you off, but I need go. I need go right there. Why? Because he knew that he was going to meet you at your point of need. And God doesn't leave you at your point of need. He meets you at your point of need. So he can change you by fulfilling your need and can give you, therefore, the blessings that you need through life. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for everyone in this place. God, I thank you tonight that, God, the words that we've shared, they're life, they're real, they're truth. 
And God, I pray that, God, we would apply this to our life because we come with all the buckets, we come with all the facades, we come with all these things saying, if only I could have this, then my life. If only, God, all those things are emptiness. They're going to run dry. They're not going to bring us to satisfaction. The only thing that's going to bring us true satisfaction is giving everything to you. God, we give everything to you. And God, we pray that's not just words tonight, that it's a surrender that we die to self, we die to who we are, that you can be who you need to be in our life. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.